Hej, um, välkomna till Marabu Parken. Um, I will change to English now. Um, is that okay for everyone? Yeah. Is that okay to for the English? Yeah. Um, great. Um, yeah. Thanks so much uh, for coming to Marabu Parken Konsthal uh, tonight. Um, my name is Jenny, and I work here uh, with uh, Bettina, who's at the back there. <laughs> um, and uh, we're really excited to have this um, event here tonight, uh, launching uh, Sharam Kashavi's new uh, edited book, After Deportation, uh, Ethnographic Perspectives. Um, I work with the program and we invited the Bridge Radio uh, to what we call the Research Residency, which is this space uh, just up here, in case you haven't been before. Um, and it's a place where we can work with groups and collectives to support their work in some way um, and um, provide resources so they can develop some of their work here in Stockholm. Um, so during this time, uh, I'm standing in front, sorry. Um, uh, the Bridge Radio met with Shahram um, and they shared um, the work they do. The Bridge Radio are a radio from Copenhagen. Uh, they're a community radio uh, made up of people with and without citizenship who focus uh, their radio on migration and asylum politics. Um, and also during this time when the Bridge Radio have been with us, they have connected with uh, Ungisferia. And we have uh, Mahmoud here tonight from Ungisferia. Um, and have followed their amazing um, campaign um, and uh, protest uh, against uh, deportation back to Afghanistan. Um, so we're really super uh, thrilled to have such an amazing uh, group of people here tonight. Um, and I just will quickly um, say the, the format. Um, Sharam uh, is going to do an introduction to the new book, um, after which uh, Nana uh, and Kipanga uh, and Mahmoud will, do, uh, will share their uh, work on um, anti-deportation um, and share some questions with Sharam uh, about the book. Um, following that, we will show a film by Sini uh, Plambesh uh, called Becky's Journey. Um, and then we have some wine and things we can uh, take conversations further afterwards as well. Um, it's really good to say that the whole um, event tonight is being live streamed on Bridge Radio's uh, radio platform. So other people are listening in, which is, uh, which is good to know. Um, I think that's everything. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks again, and a huge thanks to uh, the speakers tonight. Um, and yeah, looking forward to hearing about this important book. Thanks, Sharam. Hello, thank you. It works? Yeah. Good. Um, thank you, Marabo Parking, and thank you, um, Jenny, for. Uh, arranging this. Um, I want to start to say where this book um, comes from. The book comes from, from uh, an absence, absence of um, studies and research on what happens after deportation. Um, we have a lot of uh, research uh, and researchers and uh, publications on deportation and detention, but not what happens after that, yeah? Um, so uh, I, I wanted to, um, to uh, make such a book for focusing on exactly this aspect of deportation. Um, so I organized uh, 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 
a workshop two, two years ago at Stockholm University. Um, so people came, uh, many of them have chapters in this book uh, and present their works. Um, and the focus of um, the book is first after deportation, what happens after deportation, not deportation itself. And um, also the form is ethnographic. The, 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 the emphasizes on um, uh, uh, lived experiences of people who have been deported. So it's, it's uh, testimonies, it's witnesses uh, of what they have gone through um, after they have been uh, removed from uh, US or European countries. Um, it's in, um, if I remember correctly, it's 13 chapters, but 11 of that is uh, ethnographic uh, uh, examples. Um, and and it, it covers a, l a broad uh, geography uh, from um, Jamaica and the Dominican Republic um, to um, Cape Verde to, to Nigeria to Mali to to uh, uh, to Afghanistan and and Sri Lanka, uh, uh, so so it covers many many different cases and 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 scholars who who wrote the chapters they focus on different aspect one on gender aspect another on on the economic aspect of deportation. Uh, um, uh, the, the t another one focus on, on family relations, uh, etc. Um, so for me, this uh, absence of such um, uh, interest uh, among scholars, not only among scholars, but also among politicians and um, even journalists, even uh, civil society, uh, I'm not talking about today because today it's much more awareness about this, but two years ago, yeah, until two years ago, uh, was very um, dangerous because um, the interest of us was uh, limited to national borders. So our interest to what happens to people ended when people were removed from, for example, Sweden, yeah? It was not our responsibility. It was not in our interest to know more about them. This is exactly what the, the states do. They say, uh, we are only responsible until the pe people are deported, people are removed. After that, it's not our responsibility. Um, so so um, what, what we, we usually in, in academia call methodological nationalism, yeah? That it, it, it becomes a methodology, and this methodology is very nationalistic. It, it reproduces the national um, uh, imagination, yeah? Um, so so I, I put together, I brought together all these the scholars, uh, and, and they, they wrote chapters with many different examples. Uh, and, and reading all these uh, examples from different places uh, about different groups, different ethnic groups, yeah, uh, show some similarities. Similarities is what happens after deportation uh, is more or less very um, uh, same, yeah. Um, and for me was uh, the, the most important aspect is that the continuation of uh, uh, exclusion, people who are deportable, people who can be deported, they, they are failed asylum seekers. Um, also, uh, 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 it means uh, asylum seekers who have not been granted, who are rejected uh, and deported, or, or undocumented migrants who are deported. So they, so they are in, in um, condition of undocumentedness, we, we, we see also this happens after deportation. So, um, so it's very important to see this 
continuity of exclusion exclusion here exclusion there yeah so that that um, um, uh, double exclusion outcast there outcast here yeah excluded here excluded there this is something we see through the book in different examples yeah in different geographies chapters show um, that um, what happens the life after deportation is colored by exploitation by violence by social marginalization by stigmatization uh, by uh, a very harsh precarity yeah um, and of course we should um, think about that there is variation yeah it depends on how much money one have I me mean, class is very important gender is very important um, post deportation um, consequences are not same for women and men they are suffering differently um, age is very important um, those who are deported for example the case of Afghan uh, because they come to Europe as very young asylum seekers, as very as, as kids, as uh, minors. So they spend their formative years in, in, for example, in Sweden uh, or UK. And then when, when they are deported, they have been outside that country in all those years they have been, you know, um, building up their, 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 their life, yeah? I'm coming back to this because it's very important. Uh, so age is also important. The, the it's very different if, if you deport an 18 years old person or, or a, a 65 years old person. Um, another uh, aspect is uh, ethnicity. Uh, again, in case of Afghan, you know better than me, but if you, if you are, for example, Hazara, who are suffering from systematic uh, um, harassment, discrimination, racism in Afghanistan, so uh, the situation is different if, if a Pashtun is deported or, or has, I, I'm not saying it's easier for a Pashtun deportees, but, but uh, all we, we should always include all these aspects, yeah? Class, gender, uh, ethnicity, um, all these, yeah? Um, so, and including looking at all these aspects uh, and consequences, then we start thinking the language we use is misleading. The language we use in uh, in the context of deportation, uh, mainly by used by politicians and journalists um, in public debates. For example, uh, we say sending them back home. Um, cases shows that there is no home to go back. They are not going back home. We are sending them to places they it's very unfamiliar, hostile uh, to them. Uh, another um, term is reintegration. So people are back and they will try to reintegrate. This is also wrong because uh, in many cases they never been integrated in first place before migration. So how can they reintegrate again? Uh, uh, next misleading term is voluntary return. Um, even if people sign the, the letter and, and say we agree to, to be sent back, this is, we cannot call it voluntary. If there is no legal option, if there is no legal alternative, so the term voluntary is wrong. This, so, so the Deportation is always forced migration, is forced, yeah? Um, it, so we should always remember that, even if they c in the cases uh, they are called voluntary. 
Um, when people are deported, so we usually think the deportation in, in terms of uh, in forms of uh, individuals, yeah. But the impact, the consequences of deportation is on communities, yeah, or on families. So, um, so countries who who have. Um, Many migrants outside, and and many people are uh, have uh, dependent on the money sending back by migrants called remittances. In case of mass deportation, so you can imagine what con consequences it has for for that country. I, I give. I'm sorry, I give many examples from Afghanistan because this is uh, uh, something I. But but you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, 2016, um, 600,000 Afghans were deported from Iran and Pakistan. 600,000, yeah? So you can imagine that family members, you know, parents, husbands, kids receiving money by these people. Um, the, the money is, is um, not there anymore. So, so we should always remember that that deportation is about an impact of deportations is on community, on household, not only one individual. Um, another aspect of this continuation of um, exclusion is many deportees cannot get ID cards after deportation. Um, many of deportees have never been in that country we call country of origin or ho homeland uh, or, or country of citizenship, yeah? So they cannot get ID cards or I it's very difficult for them. Uh, many of them are second generation migrants, so their parents left that country, so they are not in the system. So this, they are undocumented even after uh, deportation. Another aspect of post-deportation life uh, throughout all chapters is stigmatization. People are stigmatized. Deportees are stigmatized when they are back. Yeah? They are um, stigmatized as criminal. They are stigmatized as uh, failed migrants. The, you, uh, you are not successful in your migration. You failed. Uh, they are stigmatized. Women are stigmatized to be prostitutes. Uh, in Europe, uh, so, so we have a, a, a different uh, form of a stigmatization deportees suffers from. Um, um, when we deport young people, uh, when they spend their formative years in Europe, in Sweden, they go to school here, they learn language, they, they get some certificate from schools, and they, they are back, they cannot use that. Yeah, they cannot translate that certificate to the local school. They cannot use the language they have learned here to use in the. So, so it's very difficult to continue school. Yeah, after deportation for younger people. Um, in in those country, people are deported. They they already suffer from very high. Uh, rate of poverty, very high rate of undocumented uh, unemployment, um, infrastructure is 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 very bad. Uh, so so it's very difficult for people to, uh, even if they have certificate or, or they can speak uh, English, it's very difficult for them to use that after deportation. Um, The form of deportation is always um, um, unexpected. Yeah, people are arrested, put in detention center, and, and deported. So the people don't have time to prepare themselves, and this lack of chance or uh, opportunity to prepare themselves for going back is uh, very important to to make that journey very difficult. Yeah. Um, we should also remember that um, there is time aspect here uh, we should think about. People who have spent years 
in Sweden, maybe they, I, I have seen many of these cases, they have been working, paying taxes. Um, when they consume, they pay also taxes, moms. Um, when they live in this country or in Europe, they, they establish uh, relationships. Uh, their kids go to school. So this time is very important, yeah? And when we deport them, we take away that time from them, yeah? So they are not only deported from one place, but we also take away from them that time. Uh, so that, that, that's also very important to, to think about. Deportation is also presented as going back home, going back to families, but we never talk about deportation uh, means also separation between families. Yeah? When we deport one person to another country, uh, her brother, you know, his, uh, his mother here, yeah? nephew, yeah? I mean, that kind of, or lovers, yeah? so, so that kind of uh, separation is, is also um, uh, very common. So it's very usual that deportees talk about life after deportation in terms of exile, yeah? That they experience life not going back home, but going into exile, yeah? Going back from Sweden to exile or, or Europe, yeah? So, um, so this book is, is a testimony of all these aspects. Uh, it, it shows many examples of... of uh, of this um, suffering um, and uh, not only suffering, uh, uh, individual suffering, but also the 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 the, the, the um, um, undemocratic at injustices, uh, which is in deportation. For example, when when uh, when we deport people, how how much you know. Uh, that time, the, the, the time they have invested in the, these countries taken from them, yeah. Um, so I think I, I, I stop now, then um, we can uh, continue in form of uh, conversation or, yeah. yeah? Yeah. Okay, thank you, Sharam. Um, so I think the next we will go on with, we are here, Kipanga and I from the Bridge Radio, and then Mahmoud from Ungisvay. <coughs> so the first I wanted to ask you, Mahmoud, is like, um, if you can explain about Ungisvay and also the struggle that you have had, like your mobilization against deportation. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Mahmoud, and I'm one of a spokesperson uh, in uh, young Sweden, Ungisvaria, and maybe some of uh, you know about the the time that we had uh, demonstration. We began that in sixth of uh, Augusti in front of uh, Parliament. It's because of that uh, we had many demonstration before this, but uh, uh, it didn't help and we didn't have any choice to do anything else and this is was the the last chance that we could do or we had to do and uh, we did demonstration more than uh two months or and uh, uh, the first problem that we uh, faced it was that all the people that was in the beginning like 10 pe persons, all of us was uh, young people, and uh, everyone know that it, it's very uh, difficult to uh, stand uh, outside of the home in the night and also to uh, have the demonstration because of racist, because of nazist, and also all other things. But whatever, we did that, and uh, uh, during that so uh, we could uh, uh, fix some home for a place to uh, all those refugees or and some commander we saying that uh, so uh, all of uh, most of them, them is young people and uh, uh, right now they doesn't have any places to to sleep they doesn't have any place to stay 
we tried it to fix for some of them and we keep doing that uh, and also during the demonstration we could stop uh, like five or six deportation from uh, migrations uh, migrations work at uh, uh, custody uh, uh, to they was uh, in the way to deport to Afghanistan and everyone know like Shaham said about uh, what will happen after that they deported to those countries. Uh, I'm from Afghanistan and I know uh, what will uh, happen with me if I go back to Afghanistan and also for the other uh, that come in Sweden uh, or in Europa. Uh, that's not just uh, uh, ISIS and Taliban that's problem. That's also the government of Afghanistan that's also a problem for us. And also the uh, fighting between the people that live in Afghanistan is also very difficult and dangerous for, especially for Hazara. Because they are not so much or maybe uh, they didn't in the past, like those things that they're doing right now, uh, right now, uh, the another groups, and uh, I'm not telling that that just Hazara should not send back to Afghanistan. I'm saying that Afghanistan is not safe for anyone. No one should send back to Afghanistan, but most uh, mostly for Hazara. And uh, also, we just keep do, uh, doing the demonstration t uh, uh, like one weeks ago. The Parliament come with the new idea or, or uh, to those people that come in uh, in the 2015 15 yeah sorry my English is not so good because I I have just talked Swedish in these two years and because of that it's a problem uh, and if they was young and uh, they come in uh, before uh, to uh, 24 of November, they if they keep studying, they will uh, get the permission to stay in Sweden, but not for forever, just for maybe uh, including s some years. And uh, it's a good, uh, 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 it's good for us, but not too too good. We are not agree with them. We wa we want that all the people should stay. And no one should uh, uh, send back to Afghanistan. Yeah. So <coughs> I was just thinking because we have been following also, even though we've been in Copenhagen, we've been following. Ah, hiya. Okay, sorry. Um, even though our group have been in Copenhagen, we have been following your organization and your group and have been very impressed about how far you have actually been able to reach both in the in the media and also for your demonstrations like so i just thought if you could share some advice or inspiration for other people who fight this struggle not only in stockholm but other places like some of the strategies that you have used yes you know when uh when someone is young so it's very difficult to do something especially in my culture uh when we thought to uh, do this demonstration it wasn't just uh, Swedish people some of them some that come to us and said to us that it's very dangerous if you do that not only only them it was also from Afghanistan our people that said also like that that you should not do that but uh, we had no choice and uh, because we have the right to do that and this uh, country is like democracy everyone can say and have the demonstration and uh, 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 to to um, get their rights and because of that we did that and i'm saying uh, telling to those people who lives in another countries i'm just asking uh, asked about the uh, copenhagen that how was the situation for refugees in there because i i doesn't have uh, contact with them uh, and uh, I'm telling them if if that's like Sweden and right now everyone know that it's in uh, every country n not just in Sweden in Germany and other countries they also sending back them to Afghanistan but they doesn't thinking about that 
why are we saying that Afghanistan is not Afghanistan is not safe? They're just uh, telling that there is many places that's safe. You can live there. You can be here, there. But we know how the situation for us, for all the people, is. And I'm saying to them to just stand up and fight for their rights. Yep. Okay, thank you. I don't know, Sharam, do you have any comments or questions? No. Okay, thank you very much. So I think the next is uh, um, Kipanga and I, who will tell a bit about our work with the bridge radio and also relating it to, to deportation. <coughs> Sorry. Thank you. Um, the bridge radio we started in um, um, spring of 2015. Um, we started as a sm very small radio workshop every second, every three days a week with uh, an artist from uh, New York called The Black Show. <coughs> um, the idea was like many of us was uh, we were we were uh, un undocumented, and some of our friends was uh, stuck in a in a center for many years in a refugee center where people are isolated, not have access for many many things going on in a in a country as everybody knows, especially in Denmark, and uh, we we met every three days a week learn how to hold the microphone how to edit how to to make radio with uh, this artist and um, <coughs> the idea was to create a platform from for the for everyone because like media media um, like media doesn't there's many things media never say tell about what's going on what's happening for the people and then we decided like, to create our own platform then we can tell people what's going on also more like to create um, something to do for us because we were not uh, able to do anything daytime because when you are undocumented you don't have anything to do you wake up you never know time you just know time to eat and time to go to bed and that's it so um, it was um, a way of create, show what we can. Like me, I had a dream of being uh, making radio since I was 12 years old, but I didn't know. Nobody will open a door for me to go in the studio and make radio unless we have to do it ourselves. But uh, we have been doing many, sending live, doing many podcasts according to many different issues, deportation, uh, uh, closing camps, many, many things. So far, we now sending live also from Sweden. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah. As you can so you can say our group is both about like sending la radio, but also like a radio school where we learn to do radio. And I don't know too much about how the discourse is in Sweden, but at least the discourse. In Denmark, which I would assume that the discourse in, in Sweden is more kind of similar, but it's very harsh against migrants. It's very like uh, creating this connection between migration and, and like criminalization, like crime, and or it's on the other hand like victimizing people. So the idea was also to create another platform where people can tell their own stories so you don't have to wait for a journalist to come and present you as they like it, but to have more power or freedom to present, that people present themselves. Um, and I would say in our group, in our collective, um, relating more to the is issue of deportation, um, like Kipanga just said, we have been making programs about deportation and about how to resist deportation based on some of the groups that exist in Copenhagen. There is especially one group called uh, no deportation without resistance that we have been making a program with who try to support people who are in threat of deportation um, that you can contact them either if you are yourself in threat of deportation or if you know of somebody and then they will try to support you in different ways through that process also demonstrating uh, 
uh, at the demonstration. But also we experience, like, so it's a subject that we work with, but also I think we experience it a lot in our own group because we are a group consisting of people with many different statuses according to the state. So some people in the group are deportable and are under threat all the time of being deported, which of course affect all of us in the group and of course at different levels because some are like on the direct threat of deportation. Um, so it's something that's very present, I would say, in many, in different ways. Um, and when we had to prepare for this little talk, we also talked about the, we read the article of uh, Kushravi and we talked about this uh, stigma of people who return, or like return is even the wrong word, like we just said, but uh, <laughs> who get deported, yeah. So yeah, we talked about like sharing some experiences also on this. Yeah, we did talk about it, but uh, he's, I just want to say thank you very much for your presentation. It was really grateful what you said is true, but uh, um, <coughs> I would, maybe you've said everything I thought I would tell, but um, 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 what I know, um, some of the things you said was one something was the most important was the people of uh, under age like when you get 18 you get deported like it's like you have been here it's hard you have been you, we, we know how it is hard to in integrate in this society when you came from uh, from there which means like if you came in, in uh, Sweden or Denmark when you are 13 years old uh, teenagers they integrate they get integrated very fast not like when you came when you are 30 or 40 something like that from 13 14 16 you are you are completely integrated you speak fluent language you understand situation then when you it came on 18 when you you were supposed to go to university or do some other things like other people then you get deported means like you will now start a new integration in your own country where you you've never even you don't even remember what's going on under this kind of um, pressure of society people talk about you hey he just came from europe he get deported you are like you became like nothing like it's like being a coward when you go on a field and then you get returned back home and nobody will understand you. Everybody will say, hey, you sent back home because you were a criminal. You couldn't make uh, sure what you could, you know. People say many, th talk many things about it. And um, and you will be able to move from country. It brings a really bad, um, <coughs> bad uh, feeling in your heart. You feel like, I don't want to be here anymore. Where I am, where am I belong? Then you, you will have to travel and go another places some of the other things is like more like um, now i'm talking more people under sahara like people who who travel from um, from uh, central republic from uh, mary from um, all those area up to the coast libya until they take a boat to come to europe like these people or families they sell everything they have you have to sell everything you have up until you sell your grass and forks because you need the money to you yeah, you travel border to border you have to pay uh, uh, corruption up you come to libya if you don't you not end up being a slave for someone you cross then you lucky cross mediterranean sea and then you get deported again nowhere if you you survive no you have to restart again life because even government doesn't give what they promise. Why? Well, when <coughs> in an hour, one hour past, one of our friends he was deported like a month ago. He was a part of a radio as well. He just called on uh, Facebook just to tell how he's doing. He said that he's in house. He cannot go out. And what they promised him to give him, they didn't give him, and he signed to go back home. So he don't know what. To what to do and he cannot come out because of uh, police and his people are looking after him 
So that those are kind of um, consequence after the deportation. And uh, one more thing is um, <coughs> is uh, like some some of countries under Sahara Desert, they they collaborate with uh, with uh, other countries in Europe. Like it's a, a kind of like corruption. European Union pay money them to take people back to give them documentation, receive them, and then when you came back, you you go with uh, two police. They give you the authorities on the airport, and they just go in a hotel and sleep, and then they took a flight, come back here, and you they don't know what will happen to you. You go on an interview in a prison, torturers. You why you go you went to Europe you say this kind of you say the bad things on the government you harass us you, you know you have like to pay back a little bit if you don't kill until you you said also something about um, not get a ID card or you you can live without having right as a a citizen as you used to be just because of your you you've been out of country for some time there is many many. Many things. It's it's a um, yeah. Uh, um, it's like different, like uh, press to press, and uh, and uh, what made people to feel if you are immigrant or a refugee. Some people de get when you get deported because you were a, po a political a politician refugee. Then you re your situation is really bad. You risk to be in the prison for many, many, many years. But if you are just an immigrant looking for a better life or something, then you will have to pay more money for corruption to have at least stable life for living. It's like a struggle after living here for many times. Also, think about the back uh, when when some people have have um, they stay spend many years in the in the cross centers where they cannot be deported, you know, and um, even if they wish to go back home, nobody will take them back home. They just have to be there until they die day after day after day after day. It's it's also like a st strategy the countries, like a Western country use to, to, to send a message, like to reduce the numbers of, uh, of uh, people coming, moving back up here. Like if I'm, if I sit in a cross center in a cross camp and uh, talk back home with my cousin, I have to say, hey, don't come this place. You should never come back here. And then we, even if you deport, you get deported. You have to tell a story what you know that place. It's also a, a strategy of um, reducing numbers of immigrants in that way. So um, I think I will have to give a microphone back, but um, there's a lot to talk about after deportation. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <coughs> maybe I will just say a final comment before we ask some questions back to Shiram. So I think also, um, um, yeah, thank you very much for this book. And I think it's very important also in these times where um, EU are making more and more agreements about like externalizations of the borders. So I think like deportation and after deportation is becoming a more like uh, current or like very present issue that we have to deal with both in social struggles or in academia. Um, yeah, so I think it really, it gives some good and inspiring thoughts also for us as a group, I think about how we tell our stories and where they end, like not to, like to go beyond this methodological uh, nationalism. So, but some, unless I don't know if you have any m more comments, or should we ask some? Because we have prepared some questions for Shadam Kushavi also. Um, yeah, we should maybe start by. Um, uh, do you prefer to have both questions at once or one by one? <laughs> one by one. <laughs> one by one, okay. <laughs> then I will start. Um, okay. Um, <coughs> and of course, also, Mahmoud, if you have some question, you uh, should just ask it. Okay. Um, why, did, why did you think that it is important to bring this awareness, um, to bring uh, awareness, or, or why, the, why did you 
think that it's important to talk about deport after deportation to write this book. Um, yeah, maybe it's, do you think maybe the what you can tell maybe two ways like is you think it's important for the Western to know what will happen? Is there anything can change this or try to? Yeah, as I said in the beginning, um, I thought it's important because I couldn't find myself a book on this, yeah? I find um, some people working on, on this issue. I mean, uh, in, in North America, in, in, in um, American scholars have published some, some, um, some, um, some works about... Uh, uh, deportation and what happens after deportation from U.S., but but not in Europe, yeah? Um, so I thought it's good to bring together as a book f examples from different parts of the world, different uh, nationalities, different uh, uh, contexts, yeah? Mm -hmm. to, to, s to show how uh, to s similarities, yeah? The, the similarities of post-deportation life. Uh, it's also important for me to to show politicians who say what happens when we just leave these people at the airport in Kabul or in Baghdad or in uh, yeah anyway in Kinshasa. That's after that is not our responsibility. This is Afghan government's responsibility. No. Want to show the consequences of what happens is not, uh, you know, of course it's, it's Afghans. I mean, when you mentioned corruption, we should think about corruption is also one aspect of, you know, governments uh, and corrupt uh, uh, police in, in those countries are, are part of the problem. All those money you mentioned, they are promised. I mean, the deportees are promised to get and they never get, yeah. The the, uh, the the chapters shows also they 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 get sometimes some part of that money, but never the f the money they are promised, yeah. Mm. Um, for example, Sweden say we give you some money, but you have to start a business. How can you start a business in Kabul when you've never been there? How can you start a business in Baghdad when the Baghdad is like the Baghdad, yeah? So uh, that, that's impossible, you know, the p impossible conditions. And they know that, yeah? So uh, that, that's important. I, I think, um, um, and also uh, for me was important to show this uh, all, I mean, at that deportation is not solution for anything. Um, deportation does not stop people coming. Uh, a, a report shows, but some, some chapters shows, but also reports, for example, from Afghanistan show, 80% of those who are deported start a new migration within one year. I have interviewed 20 uh, young Afghans who have been deported from Europe. 16 of them are not in Afghanistan anymore. And the, the, the four others, they are planning to, to leave Afghanistan soon. And, uh, and Europe spent one billion euro a year for deportation. One billion euro per year. And, and people start coming, I know people coming back. Uh, and this is part of resistance you mentioned, yeah? Resistant to deportation is not staying, you know, starting coming back. And they, start a new migration because all forces pushing people out are still there, yeah? When the, the insecurity is there, when corruption is there, when unemployment is there, when, when, you know, all these problems are there, so you send them, people are coming back. I, I once I asked a young Afghan, I mean, you know about dangers, you know you can be shot to death at the border between Iran and Turkey, or you can drown in Mediterranean Sea. And he said, okay, then I die only once, but here I die every day. Mm. So they know about dangers, but they you know they make a very rational choice, yeah? Um, so this is part of resistance you mentioned. Yeah, it was not exactly answer to your question, but 
that's something. <laughs> yeah. So the um, the next question I wanted to ask is about because now we are also here some groups who are more like uh, activist social struggles and also what we have experienced within Copenhagen. So how do you see that this, um, yeah, that research and academia, academia, what is its role in like inspiring or shaping social struggles? So how does it become accessible and what should what role should it play? Yeah, this is what we do here now, yeah? Not, not uh, having this event at universities, yeah? Because, uh, I mean, universities are public, yeah? It, it In theory, it's open for everyone, but in practice, it's not. I mean, when I, I started as a student, so we could go everywhere without code and cards, anything. But today, you need security cards, you need codes to, to go to corridors, your keys, you know? All these issues make university less and less accessible. So for me, it's very important to, to bring out uh, academia to, to public places because university is not anymore a public place. Uh, uh, and and, in, a, uh, and in, in a good country like Sweden, I mean, uh, even here, we, we, uh, we see that, that um, academic, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm um, I I, um, I I I feel very bad to say this, but even this book I, I published, it's it's so expensive that it's not accessible. Yeah, academic publishers, they they they, 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 they this book costs one thousand crowns, so only libraries and university can buy. So I hope that some pirate uh, uh, sites put it online. Uh, oh, Shad, this is going online, and <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I just forgot that. <laughs> but I, I, I hope, yeah, I hope that uh, I hope that that it become online accessible for everyone, uh, and I'm sure it happens, yeah, because it, it's uh, it's shameful, yeah, that that many people put so much time to 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 make that knowledge, and that knowledge is not accessible for people. Uh, I wanted to say on the uh, when you asked about the responsibility uh, from Afghanistan government, uh, I called the refugees minister, uh, and his name is uh, Ali Mubalki. That's the refugees minister in Afghanistan, and I asked him that how long can you? Uh, have the responsibility that those they are sending back to Afghanistan. He said, uh, we uh, can just take care of them for two weeks, not more than that. And uh, it was, a, it, it's, a, it's not okay because they're saying to uh, uh, Sweden that we uh, getting their responsibility, how long the, that they need, but it's not correct. And also, uh, according to those uh, people that come to, to Europa uh, uh, and in Sweden, most of them is like uh, from Iran, from Pakistan. They n never been in Afghanistan. And they doesn't have any uh, uh, family or forelder, uh, uh, I mean, Parents. parents, sorry, yeah, they doesn't have any parents in Afghanistan, and also right now they are, they doesn't believe in some of them doesn't believe the same God that uh, in Afghanistan they believe, or and when that's coming to the culture, they that's not uh, uh, acceptable to in Afghanistan to accept them uh, like in Afghanistan persons they're telling us that you have been in other countries and you did this one this one that they are not muslims mm -hmm. or maybe this and they never will accept us this kind of problems is the uh, swedish government and also the europe doesn't thinking about yep okay so we have a lot of different questions so i'll just pick one of them um 
So I think one, I was just reading the the introduction of your book, uh, of the book. Uh, so one thing you also talk about is like what role deportation play in this like uh, more global power struggles between global south and global north and somehow that deportation also becomes structuring for this relation. So yeah, I think we were just very interested in this point and wanted to hear if you could elaborate this on this. Like it's it's also connected to this, like how it becomes deportation becomes a tool of neoliberalism. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean deportation is part of um this apartheid of mobility regime, yeah. That that there is uh some if you are Swedish uh, citizen you can travel to hundred seventy five countries without visa. If you are Afghan citizen you can travel to twenty five countries yeah. without visa. And those twenty five countries are maybe even poorer countries, so it doesn't help, yeah? Th- so um, so this kind of you know division and apartheid of mobility. And this apartheid is very important for the, the, the economical situation we have today. In the 1980s, it was only 400 garment factories in Bangladesh. Today it's 5,000. 20 million people work in those to, to make all these we, we consume, yeah? 80% of those 20 million are women. If those Bangladeshi workers could move freely as Swedes to 175 countries, so it was impossible to have this wage gap. So control of mobility is very much related to keeping wage down in those countries. Also, it's uh, it's interesting to see in one chapter or two chapters in the book shows in the case of Americas, because people from Central America uh, or or Caribbean, they, they went to US as very young, they grow up there, they commit some minor crimes. They take something from, uh, you know, a shop. They put in prison and they deported. Yeah, they are American citizens. I mean, not citizens, but they are Americans in language, culture, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. So they are deported to Dominican Republic. American company outsourcing to Dominican Republic hired them with much lower salary. So it's, it became a system, yeah? You deport people and then you use them as labor force, cheap labor force. Um, so, so you see that it's very a structure, part of the structure you mentioned. In the case of Afghanistan, when you deport Afghans, you exclude them from the global north. But at the same time, we see almost all rich countries have soldiers in Afghanistan. Almost all rich, I mean, including Sweden, including Denmark, yeah? So you exclude Afghans from the global north, but at the same time, you include Afghanistan as a, as a, a battleground for your, you know, political interest. So, so it's, uh, you know, that, that, that doubleness is, is mm. there. Mm. Um, So I don't know if we should at this time open up if there is any questions from the audience to Shalom Koshavi or Mahmoud or us from the Bridge Radio. I hope this is a long one. Maybe this is longer. I can move down. Okay, so maybe this will be a bit an academical question, I guess, actually, because I'm thinking a little bit, uh, I don't know, in the book, or maybe you could reflect a little bit on uh, agency, and I think, as you mentioned a little bit about victimization, this, I don't know, for example, Miriam Tichting has this kind of uh, idea of casualties of cares and regimes of care, etc., and how NGOs tend to 
Uh, I think she just published another article also about the innocence of refugees, and I, I haven't had time to look into that. But maybe something about that, and I think it's interesting also, as we have the example of, of you as a radio station and Ungisverje, that are movements of agency. Uh, and then also listening now, maybe if you can say something about agency after deportation. Is there something about that in the book? Yeah. Uh, except for, as you just told me, these 16 Afghans that already left Afghanistan after deportation. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's very complex. Yeah, I, I, I guess all, all chapters show that, 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 I mean, not all, but, but many of them uh, shows that, uh, yeah, agency, yeah, uh, as, uh, as my former supervisors who sit here, <laughs> she said always to me that everyone has an agency, so <laughs> we, we don't have anyone who, who lack agency. So, of course, they have agency, and they show their agency in different ways. I mean, one is that they, they move again, so mobility and keeping to be mobile is a resistance, yeah, against this apartheid uh, regime of mobility. But also in other chapters, how they try to survive, you know, how they try to, uh, um, to, to uh, despite all difficulties, to, 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 to survive and, and try to new ways and new lives. And so of course, yeah, there, there is resistance. There is uh, examples of, many examples of, of agencies. And I think this this idea of of um, uh, victimhood and and they are victims and they are you know lack of agency it, it it comes more from us than from reality yeah that, uh, as as you mentioned to Miriam Tiktin and yeah of course yeah yeah do you want to Is there any other questions? We have a bit longer mic also that can go uh, further out. Close, okay. I don't know if uh, how to express this, if you can do it in the right way in, in English, but I will try. Well, um, I'm thinking you're talking a lot about structures and so on, and, and thank you for the first, for those important uh, stories that you have been told and facts and so on. And... Um, I'm really trying to try to try hard to how to put this, but um, when you're talking about racism and nazism and fascism and all those right movements, I have the feeling that they are built up on on feelings. There's a lot of frightenings behind those kind of thinking. And when you're talking about structures, we are connected to it, which is always very important to talk about those political issues and structures, how to understand things, what kind of uh, how money moves, for instance. Uh, and then I'm thinking, have you any idea about how could we connect feelings? Like these uh, stories about this blacklist, for instance, these British workers who has lost like 12 years because of this blacklist. So I'm thinking, how could we find a way to connect stories about lost life in the, con in the context of what is a life? You understand me? <laughs> Uh, because this very particular, because sometimes I have a kind of feeling that we don't, um, um, I think this, the story that you do through your books is in, in uh, very important that we really do need this kind of academic research that talk about the system and the capitalist system and so so on, but then sometimes missing this kind of very strong uh, history, which is built on feelings that connect different kind of of stories. Do you <laughs> do you have you? Uh, yeah. Uh, is the question to? I don't know if it's a, is is it just is a kind of uh, or? thinking that have been thinking when I've been listening. So yeah. I guess it could be to anyone. It's just something that I wanted to yeah. say. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, I yeah, I don't know if if emotions are missing from the book. I'm sure that some chapters are. 
have you read it or no no okay yeah yeah because you mentioned the book i i referred the book so yeah yes i agree with you um, yes a structure and, and emotions of people we are talking about and this is what i meant said ethnographic perspective and and focus on lived experiences of people who are, have been deported and in these lived experiences of course emotions are very important part it's it's also more like um as we said for example the um uh, the bridge radio was started by to give uh, voice to the people who couldn't have get a voice anywhere so they could uh, uh, express themselves say what they face and what they think and do like sit and make a podcast laying in your your bed in a camp <coughs> in a refugee center or a, or a camp which is where you you are isolated and record yourself how you feel this podcast will not be uh, sent anywhere else honorary at bridge radio or something similar writing articles so there should be emotions without emotions what will be that yes yeah. i guess we have time for or yeah. if there's any uh, other comments or questions What about here in the back? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Can I use this one? <laughs> um, so maybe uh, a really big thank you to um, Sharam, Mahmoud, Kipanga, Nana, and also I should have of course introduced Achenze and Katrine from the Bridge Radio who are diligently making this uh, live radio. The Bridge Radio. 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 Radio